Folks, welcome back to another episode of Triple G, Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Kerr, a.k.a. The Ginger, and we are back in the saddle tonight after a little hiatus on the uh, the audio side and the podcast side. Um, last week, we did a social media blitz. We were live on Instagram Monday, March 14th, 9 p.m. with the old boy talking and reviewing day one of NFL Free Agency Frenzy, and we caught back up on a little Twitter spaces on uh on uh, Wednesday, March 16th as well, reviewing uh, kind of day three and what's happened. But a lot has happened in the NFL world since then. We're going to catch up on that after break. But as we've kind of uh, kicked off here in the month of, month of March, we're getting into the heart and soul of the golf season. And as, as the weather gets better, golfers start to hit up the simulators and even some of these courses starting to open in the next two, three weeks here in Southern Ontario. We kick up and heat up our golf coverage here on Triple G, and that does not stop tonight. We've got a fantastic guest, guest national golf coach of the men's team and professional teams. Uh, Mr. Derek Ingram is going to join us, as we promised on on the last podcast, and we're trying to finalize some, uh, some big, big guests for next week, uh, a current PGA Tour player. Uh, coming off a top 10 last week, uh, we're in the mix uh, with him trying to finalize. Hopefully we can make that happen. And uh, chatting with Beth Ann Nichols, trying to get her on the podcast next week. Uh, slide into her busy schedule as the ladies on the LPJ Tour kick up the season for their first major at the Chevron Championship in Mission Hills So uh, in, in California there. Used to be the Dinah Shore. So um, the golf season is really starting to heat up here, uh, not only on the PGA Tours, but tours across the world. Huge announcement by Greg Norman, which we'll get into. Another announcement yesterday from Phil Mickelson uh, we'll get into, but let's put that on the back burner for now. Let's get into our chat with Derek Ingram talking PGA Tour, Corey Connors, Mackenzie Hughes, President's Cup, the Masters, player preparation, player development, uh, for Golf Canada. I think you're really going to enjoy that. Um, enjoy this chat, folks, and let's get into it. All right, Triple G listeners, let's give a warm welcome to two-time PGA of Canada Teacher of the Year, 11-time PGA of Manitoba Teacher of the Year, the 2020 Ben Kern Coach of the Year, author of Sports Psych for Winning Golf, and head coach for Golf Canada's National Amateurs and uh, Pro Teams, coaching uh players all across the PGA, Corn Ferry, and LPGA Tour, Mr. Derek Ingram. Derek, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks very much for having me on, Stefan. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I know we've been uh, we've been back and forth since the fall, and I know you're ex- an extremely, extremely busy guy, so um, I, we appreciate you taking the time to uh, to do this. So cool. let's start yeah, off. Bye. Let's start off, Derek, uh, where it all started. You know, how does, a, how does an assistant pro turn into a head pro two or three years down the road to uh, mm. a, a national coach for probably one of uh, the world's most rising nations in terms of uh, golf and, you know, professional golfers moving up onto these, these upper echelon tours. Let us know how it all started and why did you, why did you pursue the teaching end of it? 
Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I, uh, like most of us, I got into the game because I love to compete and I love to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so after I decided, you know, I actually have a major, a chemistry, sorry, a science degree, the major in chemistry, and I was about to go into the school of pharmacy. And I just asked my mom and dad if they'd mind if I tried to be a golf pro for a year. And my dad's like, you can do it one year and then you need to get a real job. So uh, that was like uh, over 25, th- almost 30 years ago. Uh and, you know, when I got into the business, I just love, I'm a, a real people person. I love being around people. Uh, I, I love the game of golf uh, and I love to play the game of golf. And I really fell in love with coaching and teaching at a young age when it wasn't really popular. And there's very, very few people actually teaching and coaching and making a living doing it. They were doing that as an aside, you know, for four or five hours a week. And I, I kind of identified and targeted that area right off the bat and said, hey, I want to be really special at this. So I'm going to put all my time, energy and money into trying to be really good at this as well as trying to play at a high level. Right. So, yeah, so I guess that's kind of how it started. And then how, how I got, yeah, I was an assistant pro at uh, uh, an country club and Pine Ridge golf club in Winnipeg. Uh, and then quickly became a head golf professional. Uh, one of the youngest head pros in Canada at South and Lake golf course in Warren uh, for two or three years and really just specialized in, in, in teaching and coaching and trying to, uh, help people achieve their goals and also uh, on my own game trying to be a good player as well and uh, ultimately uh, from there uh, Golf Canada formerly known as RCGA was looking for a national junior team coach and because I was a pretty good player and had helped many of the best juniors and amateurs in Manitoba have some success I applied for that position and they didn't end up hiring a, a national junior team assistant coach it was sorry uh, they instead split it into regional coaches across Canada and they hired me to be a regional coach in our area. And over the course of a year or two, they just kept asking for more and more of my time. And I guess that was just basically based on feedback from the players saying, hey, we like this guy or he, he's been helping. So, yeah, that's that's really good. Shows the, the hard work's paying off. What has it been yeah. like? What has it been like for you to see Canada rise at, at the top level? Like, I know you've been over to Japan um you know yeah with some of the teams and and what do you attribute that to is it is it a long-term effect of you know the likes of mike weir and and laurie kane and some of the early Mm. canadians that were out in in the early 2000s on on both the men's and ladies tour um so what do you attribute that rise to and and where do you think it can lead to well i think uh two, two two big questions but i think the rise, the rise of why there's you know eight or nine or possibly ten players in the PGA Tour right now, and we've never been stronger ever, uh, is probably due to an accumulation of many things. Obviously, Mike Weir winning the uh, winning the Masters in two thousand and three, um, and you know being getting down to three in the world. Laurie King on the women's side having a ton of success, and then just a focused effort by both you know Golf Canada, the PGA of Canada, you know, Sport Canada, Provincial Golf Associations, Provincial Profession- Professional Golf Associations, like all this, all these organizations getting together and saying, hey, we want to be good in, in uh, and give our players opportunities. So, so that was one thing, a structured program for Golf Canada helped some of those athletes uh, and also just a Team Canada feel, an environment where, hey, if I can't do it, I want one of my other partners or, or a fellow playing partners or, or friends, I want them to do it. And I want to push each other and, and see how good we can get. And, and that's kind of, I think where we are right now in the PGA tour, we've got either strength in numbers 
Now, Stefan, we've got a bunch out there and they're playing yep. practice rounds together. They're going for dinner together. They're they're trying to beat each other up in practice and push each other. And then in the tournament, they want each other to do well. And, um, you know, you know, guys like Roger Sloan, who wasn't part of our national junior team or amateur team or anything like that, you know, was close all those years. He, he just got super pissed off and said, I want to I want to prove those guys wrong. And and that's OK, too. I love that. Nothing makes me happier than, you know, just any motivation to get out there and be, be a, you know, winner in the PGA Tour and, and uh, try and be uh, super successful. And, you know, now, now he's part of that Team Canada feel and hangs out with the guys and, and uh, is really successful. I think, I think it's just an accumulation of, you know, great tournaments, you know, some op- pretty good opportunity. And a, a lot of the, you know, the governing bodies in Canada getting together and saying, hey, this is a priority for us. Yeah. And, and, you know, we hear the recent announcement of, of, from the player development program in Gulf Canada, uh, aiming to have, you know, 30 plus players out on, on the tours. And I mean, tours in, in men's and ladies by, uh, yeah. by 2032. How do you, how yeah. does that make you feel? And do you truly think that th- that's something that's attainable? Yeah. Uh, first of all, I think it's a hundred percent attainable. Uh, will it be easy? No, there's no chance in the world that'll be easy. Uh, but is it worth going after something big like that? For sure it is. We, yes. we, we feel like we can be a superpower uh, in golf, uh, and especially if we, uh, if we put our minds to it. And, and we certainly have, you know, made a lot of progress in the last five, 10 plus years. Um, but it's a bit of a scary goal, but anything, goal, anything big worth achieving is kind of scary. So uh, yeah, it's, it's gonna, so, but, but it makes me feel very proud that we've, we're, you know, we're putting ourselves out there uh, we're looking in the mirror and saying, hey, how can we get better in every single area? And then also, you know, the business community in Canada is getting is rallying around it and saying, hey, we want this as well. We want to give you guys a chance, you know, and we want to be part of this. And so uh, it's it's great for our country. It's great for our sport. Uh, and I think it's achievable and certainly I'm going to do everything I can to, to help. And it's, it's a, you know, it's obviously a huge giant team effort and I'm just a small, tiny piece of that, but we're, we're excited to try and try and have it happen. Yeah, that's great. I was really excited as a, as a fellow, um, you know, PGA of Canada professional, I was excited to see that announcement and, you know, excited for, for guys like you that have put in, put in all the hard work and, and time and excited for the the players too, as well to know, not only the players that are out there now, but to the players coming up that are aspiring to be where the likes of Mackenzie Hughes and Corey Connors and, and yeah. Roger Sloan and, and all these guys have been David Hearn, you know, maybe yeah. on the back half of his career, but you know, somebody who's been out there for, for a long, long time and has a, uh, you know, very well known on, on the tour for sure. Yeah. Derek, sure. uh, yeah. Derek who Glad are you working with right now out on the PGA Tour? Give, give our listeners an idea of, you know, what uh, what you're doing out there on a tour. I see you via your social media, you're out there a fair amount working not only with, uh, with the PGA Tour, but but other tours as well. Yeah, no, I'm the worst follow on social media everywhere, as you saw, probably, Stefan. But I... I, <laughs> I uh... Uh, I work with Corey Connors and Taylor Pendrith on the PGA Tour. I, I coach Mackenzie Hughes for, for 11 or 12 years. I work with him on the PGA Tour for four. I don't coach him anymore, but he's like a son to me, and I love him. I mean, I maybe help him out a little bit here and there, but uh, but uh, I don't coach Mac anymore for the most part. Uh, and then I coach Aaron Cockrell on the European Tour. Uh, he's a Manitoban player, just finished second on the European yep. Tour a couple weeks ago. A couple good and, finishes. 
Yeah, and then I coach a couple guys on our young pro squad on the on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, Stuart McDonald, and uh, then we've got a young pro squad in Canada, and we've got our young our amateur team in Canada that I oversee our our young pro squad and our men's men's amateur team. We also have two hired two. Uh, new assistant uh, coaches on that program, Louis Melanson from the Maritimes and Benoit Lemieux from Montreal. And I'm thrilled to have competent guys who are invested and eager to help out because, you know, as you know, with those, those big goals we have, we're expanding our program. We've got a little bit more money to spend. It's going to take a long time and a lot of hard work and it's nice to have some help. Yeah, no doubt. Dirk, what is, what is it when you get out on the tour, I've always wondered what does a regular week look like out there in terms of, um, the preparation and, you know, what, what are you doing on a regular basis in terms of Tuesday all the way through to, uh, you know, the, the final putt dropping on, on Sunday? Yeah. Mo- most events I only go to stuff and like, I'll go Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or sometimes I'll go Wednesday, Thursday, Friday to help the guys prepare unless possibly it's a, a major world golf championship. And maybe those guys want me around a little bit more. So, uh, usually I'm there to help them get prepped up, uh, you know, that could uh, include, but not limited to do, there's some technical work possibly, or just, just, you know, making sure they're in good shape. And a lot of the times, if, if I'm starting a bunch of new stuff or technical stuff on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I've done a terrible job the last three months, six months or years. So a lot of it's, you know, it's stuff that we've been working on for a long period of time and we're just trying to reinforce it. And we've got it, we've got it really simplified or drilled down to one or two or three things. Hey, if I just feel this, if I just do that, you know, and so uh, I hate to oversimplify it because, uh, but, but I'll give you an example, you know, with Corey Connors, you know, we like his shoulders to be squared or slightly closed. And if he does that and starts with a little bit of pressure uh, on, on his front leg, you know, on his target leg or his lead leg, then he's probably going to hit it great. So now we've had to, you know, get really, really detailed and complex to nail it, just to be able to simplify it down, simplify it down to those one or two or three things, uh, you know, and so, but anyway, so we'll do some reminders on that, but then it becomes about performance and you're really sharpening the ax and, and, uh, and getting every touch and all the bases and making sure we're sharp. Uh, you know, I don't spend a, t- a lot of time is, is, uh, you know, testing guys, uh, trying to push them or challenge them in, in, uh, and uh, out of their comfort zone in some practice, but not too much. You don't want to spend the entire day doing that because you don't want to kill their confidence as well. So, uh, again, on a Tuesday, we might, we'll play 18 holes. We'll warm up. Uh, we'll, we'll have a maintenance practice after. So that's a full day on Tuesday. Wednesday might play nine holes, you know, good practice session before nine holes and then a good practice session after. After we're going to touch all the bases, we're going to do we're going to do putting for probably an hour-ish. We're going to do short game for a half hour-ish. Uh, we're going to do some full swing, you know, and everything, you know, driver, iron play, wedge play uh, for roughly an hour. And, and of course, there's going to be some testing there as well. Uh, and then it's also about getting to know the golf course and, and getting rested and, and uh you know, taking care of their bodies there, you know, the guys, you know, it's, it's really important to, to get great warm ups and cool downs and they'll, they'll get workouts throughout the year and sorry, throughout the weekend, they'll be sleeping, trying to manage and save their energy for Saturday and Sunday, as opposed to, you know, being exhausted on the weekend. Yeah, for sure. And you mentioned, you mentioned majors and, and the question that I had Derek on, in regards to the majors, we know, you know, we're finishing up um, this week on, on the Florida swing and we've, we've got a couple big events as we lead up into the masters in terms of major preparation. You know, if we look at Augusta, are, are guys already starting to um, work on specific shots and, you know, and, uh, you know, if they're, 
Corey's looking to, you know, to, to turn the ball over from right to left. Mm-hmm. To, so he's got that mm-hmm. shot on 13 and, and 14 yeah. on the back nine at Augusta. Are those types of things already starting to happen now? Or is that more specific to the week of in terms of, you know, Monday, Tuesday, working with you on the range, getting themselves ready, you know, trying to develop those specific golf course shots that'll, that are needed that specific week? Or is it more of a long-term thing um, leading up to the event? Well, because because Augusta and places <clears throat> places like the players they play the same golf course every year, you know they might be aware of the shots that they're going to need and, and want to have, you know, two three weeks, maybe even a month or or two leading up, and say, hey, this is going to be handy at these courses. You know, thankfully Corey's game is really well suited for Augusta, and so you know he, he naturally draw, draws the golf ball in right. almost every single shot. Uh, and so he, he feels very comfortable and that shows in his, his last couple uh, results at Augustus had, I think he was 12th and then eighth or something like that. So he, he loves the golf course. He loves the tournament and his game is really well suited to, to that, to that uh, course. So, you know, I know both Corey and Mac are, are going to be in Augusta and they have it in the back of their mind, the shots that are going to be needed and required, but every week's a chance to win on the PGA tour. And you're trying, you're trying to get your game ready for each week. Uh, but certainly they've got they've they've got their mind set on or, or kind of their their eye set on hey I want to be I want to be great for the players championship and next is okay I want to really be ready for Augusta I think I have a chance to win there or play great there and so these are some of the shots that are going to be required. Yeah, that make that makes sense. Derek, what's what's your favorite part of the job? You've been doing it for a while now. What's you know what's your favorite part of of being out there each and every week? Wow. Uh... Yeah, I've been very, you know, Stefan, I've been so fortunate to be around the world with the game and, and be able to, you know, go to some of the best events in the world, including the world junior in Japan, 11 times a world amateur in Japan. I've been to South America. I've, I've been, you know, to Turkey. Uh, I've been the Olympics to it twice, you know, to, yep. to Rio and, and, uh, to, to Japan. And so I've really been blessed and fortunate. I can't tell you how grateful I am. And, and for me, it's probably more about the relationships with the people I've met and got to coach and you know, have been fortunate enough to work with and, and, and work for then, you know, Oh, uh, it's a special place or that special place. Obviously Augusta is magical and I really enjoyed the open championship last year. Uh, but uh, I would say it's just about being with people who, you know, um, you love to be around, want to work extremely hard. They've got, we got shared goals and they become like family to me, you know, Corey and, and Taylor and Mac, and, you know, and, and many, many other players have really become, you know, not just uh, people I coach, but their friends and, and colleagues. And I just love spending time with them and, and trying to help them achieve their goals. So I would say for me, it's not, there's not one thing i love eating eating with them uh, you could probably tell that by the way i look uh <laughs> but uh i think uh i also just like working with them and spending time with them and, and uh you know trying to see if we can uh, get to where we want to get yeah nice to share the the same love of the game right like you you, for, you love that game and and you can love it yeah. from a different perspective or a different side of it and that's the best part about golf is it doesn't necessarily have to be about all about playing you can get enjoyment and fulfillment and and from coaching and teaching and seeing the successes of of the fruits of your labor if you will for sure yeah and i think it's important that you're there for the you know the the hard the hard Mm -hmm. weeks too Uh, the ones that really really hurt where 
you know, you're almost crying together. It really, it really hurts. It hurts uh, both of you. It hurts everybody. Uh, I think that's what makes, you know, being a, a great player and having success, you know, guys, guys like Corey winning in Texas and Mac winning, you know, at the RSM, <clears throat> those, those don't happen without, you know, a lot of the, the really tough times and, you know, really feeling those and learning from those and being there together and saying, okay, yeah, that, that didn't go as planned. How, how are we going to fix that in the future? Mm-hmm. Are these guys talking about the, uh, the president's cup? Because we've got not only this one coming up, uh, you know, this year in terms of in, in the fall time, but we know, you know, the big date looming uh, back at, at Royal Montreal and, and, you know, the special thing that happened the first time we were there with, with Mike and Tiger. But, um, yeah. you know, Corey and Mac are right in the mix of this. Look like they're, they're you know, right primed, ready to, to qualify for yeah. this squad. Um, are they starting to talk about it, starting to get a little bit excited about it? Because to me as a Canadian, um, not only am I proud to have it back in Canada, but I would die to have you know two canadians paired together um in the president's cup like it would just be something special to me are they are they excited about it is it a little bit of chatter going on out there about it well there's no question they're really excited about it it's extremely important for them to qualify they love that event they want you know they want to be part of that event they know they want to make history um and they believe that they can help win uh and be in a winning team and so you know, both Corey and Mac, for sure, it's at the very top of their goal list. If it's not the top, it's certainly the top. And and don't don't count out Adam Hadwin. He's got a chance nope. to win this week. Yep. Uh, he's playing great. Uh, you know, we've got a couple of young younger players like Adam Svensson, who's an unreal player, and uh, Taylor Pendrith, who, you know, they want to make President's Cups uh, this year and certainly in two years and, and represent Canada like they have in the past. Like all these guys have represented Canada, the world junior and the world amateur or, or other major events, and they want to be a part of it. So, uh, yeah, no, the, the, my, my problem as a coach is just to have them focus on the process. And, and obviously that's a big goal, but uh, what can we do today uh, and, and this week to, to try and make that happen as opposed to uh, focusing on that outcome a little bit too much, but yeah, uh, with guys like you asking questions, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Derek, what, what's next for you? Is it, uh, you know, you've, you've accomplished so much in, in your career and, and helped so many, you know, along the way and will continue to do so. What, uh, what, are, what are your goals? Is it to, to coach Corey to, to the major, to a major championship or, or Taylor to his first win? What's, what's next for you? I mean, you, you know, that's a, it's a pretty wide question, but I will say this Stefan, uh, aside from, from some personal goals, you know, to, to be a hero at home here for my wife and kids and, and, uh, you know, uh, make an impact in my own house as a good father and as a good uh, husband or a mediocre husband, as I like to say. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm right I, there too with you, right on the mediocre <laughs> line. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd love to, I would say, I, I would like to help Corey and and uh, Taylor Taylor to win in the PGA Tour and win a bunch in the PGA Tour and Corey to win majors on the PGA Tour. That's something that inspires me and I'm, you know, um, is something that really keeps me motivated and i'd say another the next level for me or step for me is also to get a few more of the guys on our national amateur team our, our young pro squad onto the pga tour there's some guys on the cusp that i think are going to be very good pga tour players and they need to be pushed over the edge and i'd like to you know do my small part and help help uh, push a few more players onto the canadian tour 
Sorry, under the PGA Tour. Yeah, for sure. Guys like off the off the Canadian Tour. <laughs> yep, that's right. <laughs> under the PGA Tour. Yeah. You know, would would a guy like Noah Steele kind of be on that list? For sure. I mean, we've yeah. got there's so there's but Noah Steele, you know, had a great amateur last couple of years and uh, has all the right habits and and routines and and you know, there's a guy we'd like to help push over the edge. And there's there's so many others like a guy like Jared Detroit and yep. you know, Stuart McDonald is, is really close and uh, and the list goes on. Like I, there's not enough time to name them all, but there's certainly you know their their goals are to get in the PGA Tour and to win. And I want to do my part to to just be there to help them along yeah. that way. Well, I got one more question before we let you go here, and because uh, I know you'll be back out on the on the road uh, in the next couple of days, I'm not sure how much you're you're still playing and how much time you got to still get out there and swing them yourself. But if you had one one round oh, yeah. and one golf course to pick from, n- tell me the golf course and tell me who's your foursome. Or you know what, we're gonna break the rules a little bit. You can have a fivesome, as well. You can have four others join you. Where are you playing, and who's who's joining you? Um. Well, I would say Augusta because I've never I've been there, you know, maybe fifteen or twenty times, both coaching Mac and Corey, and it's magical there. And and I've never got to play, so I've been able to walk the course. Uh, and so I'd love to play at Augusta. And if I had to pick my dream foursome, I, there's so many, you know, famous people I'd love in my dream foursome. But I'm a pretty simple guy. I'd probably want to play with my son Brent and my son Adam, and then, uh, you know. Maybe probably my dad because he's getting he, he can't golf anymore. But if it's a dream foursome, uh, I'd love to play with my dad. He was never a great golfer, but loved the game. And and uh, may, uh, if I can make it a little bit bigger, I'll throw my two brothers in there as well. So now we're now Beautiful. we're holding up the entire course out of Augusta. <laughs> well, as, as, <laughs> but anyway, as a head professional, you probably got that phone call uh, on the sixth. Yeah. Some Mister uh, Mister Smith on the sixth tee. Uh, <laughs> there's a fivesome or a sixsome. Yeah, no okay. Yeah, yeah, we've done that. We've I have had that phone call, and I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad guys like you are dealing with that now, Stefan. Yeah, me. I love it. Well, Derek, uh, appreciate your time so much. Thanks again for coming on. I'm I'm so happy we were able to make that work. Best of luck here in in the rest of 2022, getting some of these uh, some of these guys uh, over over the edge and, and to a victory, and uh, we'll hope to catch up soon. Hey, thanks very much for having me on, Stefan. Really appreciate it. And and anytime, uh, have a great uh, year this year. Absolutely amazing. What a down-to-earth, cool customer Derek was. Um, And as always on Triple G, we we chatted off-air with Derek. And, um, you know, he said to me, we've been trying to set this up since pretty much the fall, off and on. Um, You know, a couple times he had to reschedule or push off. Um, I had something come up with, uh, obviously with the birth of with my young daughter. Um, so I had to push off. So we've just kind of been back and forth. The schedules haven't been able to work. And he said to me off air, he says, if I would have known it was only 20, 25 minutes, I would have, uh, would have done it the first time. Um, and we're respectful like that. We, we try not to, um, if we can get into these, you know, long hour and, and, you know, 70, 80, 90 minute conversations with some of these guests, we know that, um, you know, they're helping us out, volunteering their time to come on, to speak with me and, um, you know, pass the, the knowledge and, and the podcast along to you, so our listeners. So um, we appreciate everybody's time, but it, great to have Derek on. Great to get a little background into, you know, player preparation and what these guys and girls are thinking about leading into some of these events. You know, how they set up the season in terms of, um, you know, preparation for each event and each week and what goes into to all of that. So, you know, Golf Canada is in a really, really good spot. 
in terms of what's out there on the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour right now and what's to come, as Derek said. Um, and he believes that that 30-plus player um, goal is attainable by 2032. And, and look out, you know, these these other sports um, – Soccer Canada, Golf Canada, these these sports are really starting to push the traditional sports, hockey, baseball, basketball, another basketball being another one, um, in terms of not only player participation, but player success and, and getting to these elite levels. And we're the more and more we see that, the more and more, you know, the balance of power in terms of hockey to the rest of the sports in Canada is going to be adjusted. And it's going to be something I think um, by the time we hit 2028, 2032, that, you know, I think some of these, these powerhouse sports uh, are in for a little bit of a rude awakening because of the some of these other sports that, you know, are cheaper to play, uh, can be played for longer periods of time, um, different diversities and different um, age, uh, age gaps uh, or age demographics can play uh, without having to, um, you know, really break down their bodies for sure so that's something that uh to me i think is on the horizon here not in in canada for uh for not only golf canada but for for some other sports as well but let's get into our talk now um our golf chat and let's get to kind of go around the world here as to what we have uh what have on and and let's start off with um kicking back to last thursday or last wednesday we didn't have the t- a chance to talk about it on our on our Twitter spaces. We were mostly focused on on NFL football, but that was the announcement from from Greg Mormon and the Saudi Live International um, this golf tour that's uh, that's going to propose, and they announced their first um, eight events as to what uh, what we see could uh, could happen here. So, real real interesting um, announcements here, and and here's my thoughts on if you haven't had a chance to look, you know, look at the schedule. It's eight events. Um, there's $255 million, uh, in purse available, $20 million purses per week, uh, for these eight events. So that's pretty much like the players, uh, championship with what they were playing for. Um, top three by the end of the seven events are going to be splitting up, uh, in, at some, in some form or fashion, $30 million. There's a team championship, uh, at the end of October, um, for $50 million. So it's, it's, you know, they're, they're 54 whole events, shotgun starts. So we're going to see some different different um, formats and different styles here. Um, we you got 12 four-man teams per event. There's a team portion. There's an individual portion. The purse is split up, split up amongst that. And Greg, Greg Norman, as, as much as a chagrin it is to, to Canadians and the RBC Canadian Open and, and its heritage, you know, Greg Norman mentioned that he wasn't going to go up against the majors and the big player events on the PGA Tour. And, you know, this this gets announced. And the first event is up against um, the RBC Canadian Open and, and, a, and a heritage event. And you know what? It, it, it is. There, there's no doubt it is. But I still think that this actually bodes well for for this year at least. You know, the, the, hopefully the schedules don't always lie that they're going to try to really attack certain events and, and the RBC being one of them. But, you know, I look at it and I spoke off air with my brother. Where what's the, the what's the event the week after? It's the U.S. Open. The U.S. Open as is in Brookline, right? At Brookline Country Club, Brookline, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston. That's an hour and 10 minute flight. 
That's a hop, skip, and a jump. RBC is a big sponsor. We know there's going to be a lot of guys that are be that are going to be, you know, scheduled to be at that event or have to make an appearance at that event. So I just find it really hard that he's Greg Norman's first event is going to be in England, and I know travel is a little bit different, but um, you know, it's it's. Friday through Sunday, 54-hole event, and then guys are going to have hop on a on a chartered flight and come back across. You know, we've seen this in other events, and we've seen the the withdrawals, and we've seen the, um, you know, the missed cuts. And I know there's no there's no cuts in in the in this uh, this Greg Norman tour, the Saudi tour here that 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 they've you know kind of kickstarted here. But I just think. With it being at St. George's, historic golf course, guys like the golf course, it's close to the city. Um, it's close to either airport, hour and 10-minute flight back into Boston. Literally, they could be in Boston, in the hotel, set up for the week by Sunday night, you know, Sunday night after dinner. I think it's a perfect spot for the RBC Canadian Open in terms of what's the following week. I think it's a great uh, preparation to me if I'm the PGA Tour or um, if I'm, you know, Golf Canada or any of these organizations, I'm pushing to grow the rough up at St. G's and make it a, um, you know, I'm not saying grow it like U.S. Open, but tighten in the fairways and make it a preparation golf course. So these guys, a few of these guys might hop on the train here. Um, but I just, I find it tough that that the these big names are going to commit to an event in England. And then you look at, you know, uh, event two, he's up, he's up against uh, the the John Deere. Event three, he's up against the the Rocket Mortgage, but it's right in around the time of the um, of the the Open Championship, and the event I believe is out on the either in the West or in the Midwest. That one might be at Pumpkin Ridge in the mid in the Midwest. I'd have to have to take a look at it, but. Once again, and and the Scottish Open's the week after, so a lot of these guys are starting their preparation. They're starting to get over there, and I, and I know money talks, and there'll be a few, but um, you know, to me, that's three right there. That who who's playing, and then and he doesn't go up against any of the playoff events, and then it comes back in in September after the the Tour Championship at East Lake, but he's up against the Ryder Cup for event number five, or in and around that preparation, so. The big names, there's 24 big names, plus captains. We know some of these guys like to go and support the team to keep that team mentality, to keep in the loop on the Ryder Cup loop, if you will, you know, out of the top 15, 16 players. Um, And then he's into late October, which is the turnaround time for the PGA Tour to start up the next season. So then there's a batch of guys that are looking to you know, secure and get a get off to a good start, right? The David Hearns of the world, the Sam Burns until he's really stepped it up a level, right? The Dylan Woos, all those types of players that, hey, you know, this is a, a, a lighter field event. I'm going to try to kick this off and get my season off to a good start. And events six, seven, and eight with that team championship are, are in, in the month of October. So I'm just really, okay, those might be the events that you could draw the big names to. But are they really going to come for one, two events? $20 million? Okay, maybe. I think time's going to really tell. And I, I just, I'm really struggling to see the validity of this tour and where, who's going to be playing, when they're going to be playing, how much they're going to be playing um, to really make this 
to, to really make this a success. So uh, real interesting. So that was the first thing. Second thing, Phil Mickelson not playing in the Masters for the first time since 1993. Wow. Uh, I'm still reeling. Announcement came yesterday, uh, Monday, March 21st, from what I saw. And in my mind, I'm start, I'm just trying to figure it out. Uh, where it came from, who it came from, why it's why it came from, and I. To me, I, I come back to. Um, the Masters runs their own event. We know that, and that's where to me it comes back to is is. I almost feel like underneath the table, there's been a discussion there, by the Masters tournament that. You know what, Phil, for this year, um, maybe you just don't come. Maybe you just don't don't show up this year. Try to try to mend the fences. Um unless unless Phil's fully committed to, to the Saudi Live International Tour uh with Norman and it's a full commitment and he is he is blowing off the PGA tour and it is it is bye bye pretty much almost for the foreseeable future. Um, unless that's the case, but I, I, I can't see that. I can't see that. I, I think, I truly think this is coming down from, from, uh, from Augusta. I think that would have been the spot. I, I've said it all along. I've said it on this podcast all along that that would have been the spot that if, if, you know, we were to ever, the golf world, the inside golf world were to ever open their arms back up to Phil Mickelson, it would be at Augusta National, um, because of, points I've made in the past but uh it's not going to happen um Tiger has not pulled his name out yet so the the dream lives on um I don't think it's happening in terms of Tiger Woods I I I believe there's little to no chance but never say never with with Tiger Woods so those are you know the big announcements that are happening in the golf world in terms of what's happening on the golf course side we'll start off on the DP World Tour they're at the Cutter Cutter Masters it's a dual PGA Tour event so that field's uh, a little bit lighter Unfortunate spot for for the Cutter Masters. Traditionally, a pretty good event on the, on the DP or the European Tour. The ladies are back from overseas from Thailand um, at the uh, JIBC Classic, at, sponsored by uh, Barbasol in Carlsbad, Carl, Carlsbad, California, at the Aviara Golf Aviara Golf Club. Um, if you haven't had the opportunity, I've never played this golf course, but I've seen it over the last two years. I believe the ladies have been there. Absolutely stunning. So if you have a chance to pick up any of the the ladies' coverage this week, pretty solid field. Our girl Brooks not playing uh, after another solid finish, T4 over in Thailand. She's gearing up like we talked about at the top here for the uh, the Chevron Classic at Mission Hills, the first ladies' major of the year. Like I said, we're trying to get Beth on Beth Ann Nichols on next week to help us preview that event. If we can't get her, we'll uh, we'll work at finding somebody. And um, hope that uh, that we can get a good solid preview there for the ladies and their first major of the year. Champions Tour is back next week, but um, I believe they're in Biloxi, Missouri, uh, for one event. But then they they're off again for pretty much almost the entire month of April. So they're going to be kicking it back up, and their season truly starts at the end of April, back in Texas. So uh, you won't hear much from Triple G on the Champions Tour until we kick off in the end of April, early May. And to the PGA Tour. Uh, been a couple weeks since we've had an opportunity to talk PGA Tour. Let's start with the last two events. Kicking it off with the Players' Championship. Cameron Smith with, I can't say the putting performance of the year because what he did at the Century 
to win, but he becomes the uh, the third player of the year. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, Cameron Smith, and um, and then Sam Burns this week. Um, those three players are the only players currently right now in 2021-2022 PGA Tour to have multiple wins. They each got two wins. Um, what a performance on the back nine. Ten putts on the back nine. And, you know, I looked at, at the stats today. Shots gained putting. Listen, I looked at the top 60. 13 players who have won in the 21 events, and that's including the dual events. Uh, so there's been 21 events so far on the PGA Tour up until... Um, last week at uh, at Innisbrook for the Valspar, um, 21 winners, and 13 out of those 21 winners happen to be inside the top 56 in shots gained putting. So it just shows you on a weekend week out basis how important putting is, and and we've seen that. Um, Cameron Smith's number three. I think he's the best putter in the world. When he's on, he's, to me, hands down the best putter in the world. But uh, week in, week out, I think he's the best putter in the world. Um, not only um, for just putting on a hole-in, hole-out basis, but I'm talking big-time clutch putts. Um, he can roll the rock. And and that's what it is. is, is it's, a, it's a putting contest, and you see it week in and week out. And, and you know, when I have a chance, I'm going to dive in and see on each individual week. That's just on a generic, okay, who won? Where are those guys in the shots game putting? But where are those guys in on a weekend, weekend, week out basis? You'd have to venture to say that, you know, they'd be inside the top 50. I can't see anybody, too many guys winning on the PGA Tour being outside that top 50 in shots game putting. So it just shows you the importance of that. Great win, great up and down on 18. Don't know what he was doing there. Uh, pitch out sideways. 7-iron from 200 yards, knock it to the middle green and be done with it. Instead, he tries to go through the gap, get a little bit more out of it. He pulls it a little bit into the water, has to make a phenomenal up and down to uh, to get the, the victory over Adaban Lahiri. Last week, great event. Riley and Burns go to a playoff at the Valspar. Burns pulls it out with an absolute bomb he makes from off the green from about 60 feet. I was in and out all afternoon as uh, March Madness kicked off this weekend, so you could imagine where uh, where my head was for those that know me well. And yes, I put in four brackets or five brackets across nine pools, and I'm alive in every single one of them still um, with a chance at a cash. So I uh, was able to get out of the first weekend, avoid the, the Kentuckys and the Baylors, um, some of those big-name teams that uh, that did happen to get knocked off. But you know what? Overall, pr- fairly chalk in terms of uh, the March Madness. But this is not a basketball March Madness podcast. This is a golf podcast. So that gets us up to date on the PGA Tour in terms of the Valspar and, and the Players' Championship. Let's get to this week and our picks. Folks, put them in a hat and draw them out. I'm going to give you a couple names that I like in terms of this event. But... Um, if you if you do traditionally bet a few shekels, my true recommendation would be um, turn down the units a little bit, spread out, diversify, throw a few extra names into a hat, and hope you pick one. I, I, that's truly the bet. If you if you're betting a hundred units a week or eighty units a week, and you and you spread that out traditionally, let's say over, you know, five, six, seven guys, almost double that. Take that take that hundred units. And spread it over 10, 12 guys and, and spread it out across because you look at the winners from, from this. This is not the who's, you know, Scotty Scheffler wins, but 
in terms of the rankings and the brackets from from the March Madness and perfect timing for this event for the PGA Tour. They do it every year, and I absolutely love it that they they kick off and they they really capitalize on that bracket madness. Um, but it's it's traditionally someone in the 25, 30, 40, 50s higher sometimes. You know, um, guys like Garcia and Kuchar and Kisner and you know Scheffler came from behind a little bit. Brian Harmon's been there. Alex Noren's been there. So. They're really it, it, with the match play format and and the and the uh, the group group formats, um, sixteen groupings of four guys in each to to kick off kicks off tomorrow morning. So make sure you're uh, you're getting to uh, your picks real quick. But a couple names to look out for. Listen, long shot of the week. A couple long shots or mid shots of the week. Um, Sergio Garcia fifty five to one. Brian Harmon fifty five to one as well. Harmon's coming off a T5 at Valspar, T14 at the Waste Management. He's been in the quarterfinals in 2018 and 2021 in this event, so he knows how to play this golf course. Austin Country Clubs hosted the golf course or hosted this event since 2006 now. Great match play golf course. You know, the 12th hole's reachable par 5 down the hill. 14th hole's a beast with the water, um, and you're, you're teed off out in the island. Uh, 13's a drivable par four at 317 yards. 16's the par five. 18's the quirky little finish where you hit to the bottom of the hill and shoot back up. So, um, you know, phenomenal match play golf course. Real long history at this at this event at this golf course in terms of Harney, Harvey Penick and Tom Kite and Jordan Spieth and and guys that have been around this area. Um, Scotty Scheffler, um, Billy Horschel. All these types of guys have, have been around this area, grew up there. So um, another name I like, listen, T12 at, at Valspar, um, starting to play a little bit better. T13 at the Genesis, T3 at the Waste Management. Yes, he missed the cut at the players, but we know Sawgrass and that type of golf course, It can. it's very similar to Riviera. It's a hit or miss. Guys traditionally uh, do not make the cut year over year there, other than if your name's Tiger Woods. But Xander Shoffley. Um, I mentioned I mentioned Kevin Kisner as well. I think he's a good option. So, just to give you three or four options, um, but like I said, diversify, make a few picks. We're gonna have our picks up tomorrow morning on all the social media outlets as well. So, if you don't have an opportunity or aren't listening now, um, hit up social media. You can get in there and some good value also on um, you know individual matches. And some value there in terms of betting and what you can get there. Keep an eye out for where that player is um, during his week in terms of is it a must-win match? Um, are they playing for anything or are they just playing 18 holes and, and pretty much getting out of there and uh, getting on their stretch run for uh, for Augusta National? So, folks, that's all we got from the golf side. Thanks again to uh, to Derek Ingram for spending a good 25 minutes with us, um, getting us ready for the Masters taking a peek behind the curtain out onto the PGA Tour and player preparation. We're going to send you off to break. When we get back from break, we're going to get into a little NFL football, what's happened here in the last week, and we'll catch you on the flip side. I love this Triple G podcast where real-life sports and you talk with me. Here comes the, here comes the, here comes the, y'all don't really want it like, yeah, here comes the, here comes the, 
All right, folks, hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Triple G, and welcome back from break. We've got a lot to cover. We've got a lot to talk about here as we kick up into it, and we kick into, I think it could safe to say now, it is phase two of uh, of NFL free agency. We're getting getting to that point. There's still a few big fish out there. One just went recently tonight, which I'll let you know, but um, let's kick it back. Let's kick it back to uh, to last week. And, and where we all started uh, with um, Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones kicks off the uh, the big fish market. I know old boy and I said, had talked about on Monday there for our Instagram Live. Um, and if you don't haven't had the opportunity to watch that, please do go back. It's up on uh, all of our social media fronts. And uh, you can check it out, including uh, our YouTube page as well. Give us a subscribe on there. But um, signs... With the Raiders, Raiders immediately move Yannick and Gakwe over to the Colts for Yak Yes Rock Yasin, corner from uh, from Indy going over. The Raiders needed some help at corner after Brandon Faison had left. So, really, he kicks off of that that big time pass rusher free agent market. And um, for me personally, I'm kind of down a little bit. Being a Bills fan, um, I was all in on Chandler Jones. He was the big fish that I wanted about. I talked about that. And walking away thinking, okay, um, you know, what are the Bills going to do? The Patriots hadn't done much. The Dolphins were making some moves. I hadn't really liked what they'd done as of yet. And then, bam, Von Miller hits six years, $120 million, effectively a three-year $52.5 million deal. And that's that's a conversation I've had with a few people in terms of, um, you know, the, the shock value or the sticker value. You hear six six years for a 32, 33-year-old pass rusher. You know, what are the Bills doing giving them a, a six-year term? Well, effectively, when you look at it, it's a three-year, $54, $53.5 million deal. Um, and there's very little amounts of dead money uh, in terms of years four and year five. I think there's $10 million on year four and $7 million on year five. So even if you said it more of a, of a four-year deal for Von Miller, Bills can walk away for, for $7 million in dead. So when you start to play that out, four, four or five years down the road, um, the, salary, the salary cap's projected $240, $260 million, maybe $270 million. You know that's fifty, sixty million dollars up. Um, so when you spread that out, and you've only got a seven million dollar dead cap hit at that point in time, um, you don't really mind that deal for Von Miller, thirty-five, thirty-six years old, or thirty-six, thirty-seven years old. Um, at that point, can be a situa- situational pass rusher still. And if you get two or three real good maximum years in terms of production. And you do what he's brought in to do, which I'll talk about here shortly. It's worth it in its weight in gold. Um, then another big trigger hits the next night. Devontae Adams uh, gets traded. And I had gone on record saying that I was wrong in terms of uh, the Green Bay Packers being able to fit Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in under the salary cap in the 2022 season. And they had done it. And they had offered... Um, a, a, a big deal for Devontae Adams, a big long-term contract. And, and the rumors were not wrong in terms of um, 
you know, 20 plus million dollars, 23 million dollars that Devontae had turned down from the Green Bay Packers. And I think when it came time to it, they were matching the 28 to 28 and a half AAV for Devontae Adams that uh, that the, the Raiders ended up giving him. But what shocked me was Devontae Adams chooses to go to the Raiders to play with his college quarterback, his good friend, um, Derek Carr, uh, on a five-year, $142 million deal. Um, absolutely monstrous. Resetting the wide receiver market. You look at Christian Kirk now. You look at DJ Moore. Um, you know, three years, $62 million. They've got him under contract to, uh, in Carolina for, for four more years now. Where does this lie? You look at uh, DeAndre Hopkins. You look at some of the big up-and-coming receivers that are going to get be getting paid soon. The Cooper Cups, uh, the Stephon Diggs, um, some of these big-name guys. Uh, you're darn right they're going to be asking for 20-plus. You, you absolutely know it from from you know what we've seen out of the wide receiver market. Um, you know a steal of the deal for the for the Rams getting Allen Robinson at at the price that they got him for. So really truly phenomenal. And then we get in to uh, the weekend and what happens over the course of the weekend in terms of you know Matthew Stafford locking down a a, a guaranteed guaranteed contract four years hundred and sixty million. Um, they've got him under under uh, term now till till 2026. Big big uh, dead cap figures 49 50 million uh, in terms of 25 in the 26 season. So you know the Rams continue to kick it down the curb, but we've seen uh, what can happen. But the, to me, they what they do here is they they keep their Super Bowl window open with that contract. Um, and that's why you've seen some of the continuous signings that they've been able to make. Because they were able to kick the kick it down the curb, and Stafford's willing to do it because he knows, hey, can I get another one here? Can I get three in five years, three in six years, and be done at twenty twenty six and and walk away? And I got I've resigned a couple offensive linemen in in Allen and Joseph Noteboom to keep me uprating, to keep me a little bit healthier, so I can withstand these seventeen game seasons and playoffs. Um, not like in Detroit where he was, you know going getting sacked 40 40 50 times a season so nice move by the rams there um it will affect them don't kid yourself folks everybody says that salary caps and draft picks are a myth they're not they're not ask the dallas cowboys right ask the tennessee titans right ask the baltimore ravens right ask some of these teams ask the arizona cardinals crickets You've heard crickets, and that's because of the salary, right? Robert Woods gets traded from the Rams um, after the Allen Robbins signings and to, to a, for a sixth-round pick coming off of uh, the torn ACL. I like the move by the Titans. Titans like to do what? They like to run the football. They release Julio Jones. They bring in Robert Woods, top-five blocking wide receiver in the NFL. Um, definitely, no doubt, hands down in the last 10 years, right? And then... The quarterbacks go crazy again. And I'm going to leave the big, big fish for last. But uh, Jameis Winston goes back to uh, the Saints after Deshaun Watson decides last minute that he wants to go to the Browns. The Falcons then make their move as they were in the push for him 
um, and trade Matt Ryan, recoup some of those um, from the picks that they gave up to get Carson Wentz. Um, they trade when they had traded Wentz um, for the uh, the third the conditional third round pick, which could turn into a second round pick. So they flip that and they get Matt Ryan for a third round pick. So when it all breaks down to it, you effectively traded Carson Wentz. Well, you effectively acquired Matt Ryan over the last couple of years. You have acquired Matt Ryan for a first and a conditional third round pick. Is what you what you acquired Matt Ryan for. Not bad. Falcons eat a historic amount of dead cap money in forty point nine million, the most I believe most ever that's ever been recorded. And you look at some of the trades, Seahawks, Bears, uh, Falcons, and Texans. Go check out on Spot Tracker over the cap their dead cap figures. We're talking 40, 48, 50, 60 million dollars in terms of dead cap figures. And folks, if you're not familiar with the dead cap, the NFL salary cap's at $208.2 million. A dead cap figure is a figure that you're paying for a player that's not on your roster because you cut them early, because you traded them early. A dead cap hit is, I had this question from uh, from a couple listeners in terms of that because I have mentioned that, and I should have explained it, but um, a dead cap hit is the NFL's way of um, kind of protecting player movement in terms of the salaries. NFL salaries and contracts are not guaranteed. You can be cut. You can be, there is some no trade clause, but you, in, in majority, you can be cut or traded at any point in time. It's not a guaranteed contract. It's not like the NHL. It's not like baseball. So what is built into these contracts is what they call a dead cap hit. And a dead cap hit can be spread over, over all the years on the contract um, in terms of you can you know, put a heavy portion early, put a heavy portion late, like Matthew Stafford. You can you can spread that out however you see fit and however you like. But what it does is is, is it makes these franchises think twice about dealing players and cutting players early and kind of pillaging their roster, if you will, um, when it comes to a rebuild. So. Um, that's what's happening with some of these big names, i.e. the Bears with Khalil Mack and the Falcons with Matt Ryan and, and some of these other, uh, the Seahawks with Russell Wilson, right? And they're, they have to eat that money. So for instance, let, easy math, if you've got $208 million on the in salary cap and you've got $2 million rolled over because you can roll over from the previous year, you're up to two hundred and ten, but I've got $50 million in debt. You've effectively got $160 million to spend on your fit. And the salary cap goes off the top 51. So off the top 51 players on your roster at any at any point in time. And those players can kind of go up and down. If, if you bring somebody in that's got a higher value than, the, let's say, the vet min. So your vet min's a million one. And you bring in a $4 million contract. Well, now your cap's just gone up. You know, three point or two point nine million dollars. So that gives you a little idea on the dead cap and and all that kind of works that goes in. So a couple teams with some huge dead cap figures, but the Saints re-sign Jameis Winston two years, twenty eight million. I haven't seen the finalization on the terms and what this deal actually is, but uh, I think it's a nice move for Jameis. It was his best option. It, it truly was. 
The Falcons then in turn after trading Matt Ryan, they bring in Marcus Mariota on a two-year $18.75 million deal. I love this deal. Gets reconnected with Arthur Smith. $18.75 million. You look at Trubisky. He similar contract. You look at Jameis, $28 million. Why not for Marcus Mariota? That Falcons roster is not good enough to win right now, whether they had Matt Ryan or not. So go get Marcus Mariota. Rebuild. Eat, take one year to eat the dead cap. Start to rebuild. Build the talent up on this roster and see where you can kind of go from there. And then today's two big signings. Lenny Fournette, three years, $21 million back in Tampa. And Taram Armstead signs literally 10 minutes before we're uh, recording this podcast. Five years, $87.5 million in Miami, Florida, Florida to protect Tua Tungavailoa on his left side. And the Dolphins pick up another offensive lineman, Connor Williams being another one. So uh, big, big signings for Miami in terms of the offensive line and what they've got going on there. So um, real interesting. Let's get into that was kind of what happened over the last week in a in a rundown here but let's get into kind of who's left out there in this phase 2 of the free agency and who I think so far is one uh in terms of some of the winners and losers and unknowns in terms of free agencies and trades here and what's happened so we'll we'll kind of run down position by position quarterback listen um Baker Mayfield Jimmy G are kind of the last two to fall and then you're into your Andy Daltons and your Ryan Fitzpatrick's and 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 your backup quarterback market. Baker Mayfield to me's got to got to be traded to the Carolina Panthers. And and Jimmy Garoppolo, I'm not sure. The mo- every day that goes by, I I tend to want to think that he's going to be back for another year to compete with Trey Lance at 24, 24, 23, 24 million cap hit figure. Could you bring back Jimmy Garoppolo? The other option would be. The, the the Texans, Nick Cesario's there. Um, connection with the New England Patriots from when Jimmy G was there, so there's an option. But they like Davis Mills, so I'm not sure how that all plays out. Um, the other option would be Baker going to the Seahawks. They don't like Drew Locke. He goes to the Seahawks, and Jimmy Jimmy G goes to um, Carolina to. Uh, you know, compete with Sam Darnold or take over that spot. In terms of wide receivers, there's some big fish out there. To me, the biggest one's Julio Jones. You got Michael Pittman. You've got Jonathan Taylor. You've got a great offensive line. You've got a defense that's ready to win now. Go re- You've got cap space still. Go reconnect Matt Ryan with his boy Julio Jones in Indy and make it happen. A couple other big fish, you've got uh, OBJ. Cole Beasley, who got cut by the Bills, who can still play, coming off an 82 reception season. Great slot guy, great against the zone. Jarvis Landry again. So a couple different options on the uh, wide receiver front. Running back market slowly getting uh, whittled down here, but Melvin Gordon still available. I still think he goes back to the Chargers on a, on a vet man. I think it's his best chance to win. Philip Lindsay, another great option out there. Kind of bounced around last year. Um, but I think he's uh, can be helpful to any backfield. In terms of uh, offensive linemen, a couple big fish still as well. J.C. Treader gets cut by the Browns. He's going to be um, a starting or depth piece for any offensive line in the league. Nate Soldier, Daryl Williams. Cornerback market has got some real quality veterans left in there um, and, and in the secondary as well in the safety market. Stephon Gilmore, Joe Hayden. Chris Harris, 
Patrick Peterson, who has verbalized being wanting to go back to Minnesota, Landon Collins, Tyron Matthew, Jabril Peppers, Akeem Hicks, Brendan Williams, right? The linebacker market, Bobby Wagner, Anthony Barr, huge. Some some good pass rushers, Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Jadavian Clowney, Melvin Ingram still out there, right? So real interesting. Don't stop paying attention now, folks, because this is where you this is where championships are built. Yes, the big moves have been made, and whether your team won or lost, or they could or couldn't make those moves, but these value contracts, this is where championships are built. And let's start out to me with with the three losers um, from week one of free agency. I had it on on Monday night. I thought I was going to change my opinion, but I haven't. Listen. You've got Marcus Peters coming back. We know about all the running backs coming back. Yes, you signed Marcus Williams, so you've secured that secondary. But who is rushing the passer in Baltimore? Calais Campbell, not signed back. LJ Fort, Pernell McPhee, right? They they miss out on Zedaria Smith, who signs today, sorry, as well, with uh, with the Minnesota Vikings on a three-year, $42.5 or $45.5 million deal. For for Zadarius Smith, to me, Baltimore had a little bit of cap space to really try to go and make a move, and they just didn't do it. Um, they didn't find that pass rusher, so I'm going to put Baltimore under under a loser. The next three teams, um, some had all three of these teams had some cap space, and they just didn't make the move to me that they needed to make. Philadelphia's close. $24 million in cap space, and the best wide receiver you sign is Zach Pascal. Right? You let Hassan Reddick walk out the door on the defensive side of the ball, but you re-signed Fletcher Cox. You made a, you, you, know, you kept it together, but i just really surprised that that Philly didn't go out and get that, that big-name receiver. Now, not to say that they might not know, go get Jarvis Landry or Odell Beckham Jr. or one of these weapons that's that's still available, but... Or they may look for the draft. They they are high on the draft, so they may add via the draft. But in terms of free agency and, and filling the needs, I thought Philly was going to go and get themselves a, a playmaker to pair to pair with Quez Watt, uh, Watson, and Watkins and um, Devonte Smith, but they didn't do it. Carolina Panthers, um, epic fail for them in terms of not being able to land the quarterback. Will they will they have to settle for Baker or Jimmy? Yeah, probably. They probably will, but um, to not land that big fish that they were looking for um, in in one of these guys, um, Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers or even Deshaun Watson, um, has to be disappointing for uh, for the Carolina Panthers and the other ones in the New England Patriots. Your two big signings, uh, eleven million dollars in cap space. They had about 16, 17, as high as 18 last week. And your two big signings are um, Jawan Bentley. I know he led the team in tackles, but he's slow. And he can't play the game in 2021. And Trent Brown, who's getting a bit long in the tooth. Yes, he's a solid mass of a man at left tackle. But uh, to me, the New England Patriots fell behind. And it may be a hot take, but I look at what Miami did now, signing Teron uh, Armstead. Signing Connor Williams, I know he holds a lot, but he can run block, and I know Mike McDaniel's going to want to run the football in in Miami, helping on the on the line. What the Jets did to me, I have the Jets as as uh, one of our one of the winners with what they did with Lakin Tomlinson, 
uh, CJ Uzama, Ty Conklin, DJ Reed, Jordan Whitehead, rebuilding that safety, right? You know they're going to go secondary with one of those picks. Sauce Gardner, right? Love what the Jets did. I, I really, really do. I, I think I truly think the New England Patriots are the worst team as we sit here on March 22nd in the AFC East. I really, really do. And another big winner, how could you not not like what the Chargers did? Go get the big fish. And that's what and, and that's what this was all about in terms of for me for winners. Um go get Mac. They got JC Jackson, Sebastian Joseph Day, who can stop the run and get pass rush for, pass rush from the interior. Gerald Everett, another piece to pair with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler and so on and so forth for for Herbert to go toe-to-toe versus Mahomes. And you got the pass rush and Bosa and Mack to chase around Mahomes. Love what the Chargers did. Love what Cincy did. Right? Every they they yeah, was it sexy and what everybody thought they were gonna do? But you look at that roster, you didn't need more weapons. You got your one, two, three punch. Right? You you got that. They went and got Hayden Hurst to place replace Uzama. Could they have gotten a little bit better there? Maybe, right? Are cornerbacks still needed? Yes. You can find that in the draft. But Lele Collins, Ted Carras, Alex Kappa, re-sign BJ Hill, tag Jesse Bates. So you so you keep two key pieces on the defensive side intact and you rebuild your offensive line. And now you've got a quality starting offensive line or provide a good competition. Continue to add to it via the draft. Love what Cincy did. Love what Buffalo did. Talked about it briefly in terms of getting Von Miller and and making that swing. They needed the big pass rusher, just like I said with Mac, to chase around these quarterbacks. Yeah, you're not going to chase a, need to chase around too many in terms of Mac Jones and and Tua because they don't have the athletic traits. You know, Wilson, Zach Wilson in in, in uh, New York can move around a little bit, but I'm talking in the playoffs when it comes time when you've got to go toe to toe or back to back weeks in the playoffs against somebody like Russell Wilson or Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert. Right, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow. The, the list goes on. We I don't need to run through the AFC quarterbacks, um, but love what they did. Love how they make a swing, and then Tampa Bay. To me, playoff Lenny resigns today, but it, it, you know your free agent pool is Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady, Ryan Jensen, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage. How could you not like that on the offensive side, and and probably more to come on the defensive side? Okay, yeah, you lost you lost Whitehead, and and a couple other pieces on the defensive side. Maybe JPP finally walks out the door, but um, to me, Tampa Bay, what a haul! And that's what you can do when your your star quarterbacks playing on a cap hit of uh, of mid twenty millions, and that's how they can resign these guys. To me, the unknowns, three unknowns. Some some are some are big sexy names here. But I've put them in the unknown category just because of I'm, I'm just I, I'm just not sure. First one being the Rams. Love what they did on the first day, but they you know they still lost Austin Corbett. They still lost Joseph Day. Um, just I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure with the Rams. Jacksonville as well. Not sure if that roster is ready to win. I think they could really regret a contract or two over the next coming years here, two, three years down the road. But to me, it comes down to the development of Trevor Lawrence. But I respect by respect them by trying to surround him with as much talent. And then Vegas. 
once again, it comes down to Carr for me. Is he going to be able to get the ball like Aaron Rodgers got the ball to maximize Devontae Adams? Hunter Renfro out of the slot, love it. Adams on the outside, love it. Jacobs running the football, love it. A, a better offensive line? Okay, now we're now we're cooking. You've got pass rushers. Chandler Jones, Mad Max Crosby. A little weak in the interior defensive line. Could probably make a move or two there. And that linebacker still probably needs some corners as well to cover within that division. But just I'm just not sure that the quarterback is the guy to get that guy the ball. But they played together in college. They got a good connection, so why not? So, folks, that's it on the NFL side. We are caught up. I'm sure there will be more moves to come. But over the next coming weeks, like I said, we're going to lean, lean pretty heavily here into the world of golf as we lead up into the ladies' first major next week at the Chevron. T-minus two, three weeks out from the Masters. Hello, friends. A tradition like none other. So let's get into the world of golf. Let's dive deep. We'll keep you updated on the side in the world of NFL. But folks, great to be back in the saddle this week. Make sure you're following us along on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ginger Triple G. Like, shot, like, share, subscribe. Do everything you can to spread the Triple G family. We're going to continue to bring you an A-list, A-guest list week in, week out. Hoping to finalize. Follow along on social media. You'll see the announcements if we do. Thanks again for Derek Ingram to join us, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you.